meeting place. And uh, welcome to the first Sunday after Christmas, where lead pastors all across North America are taking the Sunday off of speaking, some of them choosing to play drums instead. But everyone's here enjoying what has come to be known as the Youth Pastor Special. Um, Another exciting thing about today is that it's December 29th, which means that the countdown is on. It's only 362 more days until Christmas. So make sure you get out there, get your shopping finished. Anyways, uh, I'm so glad that we all have a chance to uh, spend some time here together this morning at the meeting place. Um, And I'm also stoked to have the opportunity to wrap up 2019 um, here at TMP as we head into 2020. And I want to do it by exploring the idea that even though our lives are full of unexpected events and circumstances that we don't control, the attitude that we choose to approach them with has the power to change what happens next, for better or for worse. And if that's true, if the attitudes we choose to have have that kind of power, it raises this question. How can we, as we head into 2020, experience a year where we're able to live with a marvelous attitude? See what I did there? Marvel movies, marvelous attitude. It's cheesy, but you will never watch a Marvel movie the same again. So you're welcome. But what the heck do I mean by having a marvelous attitude? You know, do I mean that we should just deal with life like the Hulk and just smash everything? Probably, probably not. That probably wouldn't work too well. But here's what I mean by this. In 2008, I watched a movie that began Marvel Studios' quest to take over the superhero genre. And it marked the beginning of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was the movie Iron Man. And now, 11 years since the release of Iron Man, Marvel Studios has released 22 more movies that explore the adventures of numerous characters, numerous heroes like Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Black Panther, The Incredible Hulk, Captain Marvel, Black Widow, Spider-Man, Ant-Man, tons of other superheroes with bug names. But these movies explored the adventures of all of these superheroes as they put their lives on the line time and time again to protect the world, but mostly New York City, from what seems like an endless flow of intergalactic forces of evil. And that's really just a thumbnail sketch of the story. But you'll have to trust me that this series has been awesome. One thing that I've really come to appreciate uh, about the Marvel movies as I've been watching them over the last 11 years is how each movie is a part of a bigger story and how that bigger story adds so much depth and meaning to each superhero and their individual story. And one of the reasons that the writers of the Marvel movies have been able to create such a well-connected and compelling story is that before Marvel Studios released their first movie back in 2008, the writers of the franchise already had a bigger story in mind that stretched far beyond each individual hero and their story. And because the writers were guided by this bigger story, they knew exactly how much they could tell us in each movie about each character without spoiling anything, setting things up perfectly for the next reveal and without backing themselves into any storyline corners. And the result 
is a huge series of movies and characters where the stories are interwoven in a way that leads to exciting moments where we see the stories of all of our individual characters come together for what's basically the Super Bowl of Marvel movies, the Avengers. And so now, as we're here this morning exploring the inner workings of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the MCU, you might be sitting there thinking one of two things. One, I don't really care about any of this because I'm a DC fan. And that's okay. God loves you and the Marvel fans are trying to. Or two, this Marvel stuff is interesting, but what does it have to do with my attitude? Often, attitude uh, gets explained using a simple metaphor of water glasses. You know the one? You're either an optimist and the glass is half full, you're a pessimist and the glass is half empty, or you're a communist and the glass belongs to the workers. Yeah? You've heard that one? Sorry. I work with youth. I spend a lot of time looking at memes. It's really for ministry's sake, so I'm sorry about that. But Something that I've experienced, you know, is that choosing my attitude, you know, what I think and how I feel about people and situations, it isn't as simple as water glasses being half full or half empty. And I wonder if that's because the attitudes that we adopt when approaching life flow out of the stories that we believe to be true about ourselves, about others, about our world. Maybe in your story, you believe that you're alone in your struggles. That the only person coming to your rescue is you. Or maybe you believe people are looking to you for strength. And so you feel like you can't be honest about your own hurts, your own fears, because you don't want to look weak and you don't want to let anyone down. Or maybe you believe your value is based on achievements. Like getting that career graduating with those honors, finishing first, getting that guy or that girl. You know, whatever story we believe to be true about ourselves, about our world, about others, it has the power to shape the attitudes we carry into every situation with every person. Author and pastor Charles Swindell, he said this about the impact that attitude can have. He said, the longer I live the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. In other words, our attitudes how we think and how we feel about people and situations in life affect everything. Like those people who tailgate me in traffic. I'll look in the rearview mirror and I'll watch as the car behind me slowly creeps further and further inside my comfort zone. And I'll think to myself, what's this jerk's problem? Why do they want me to go faster? Why are they going five over? Maybe ten over. But seriously, just go around. In my mind, the story I tell myself implies that the person behind me just needs to chill out and relax. I mean, we're on the island, so seriously. But then 
I remember those times where I've been driving. Maybe I've been listening to the radio. Maybe I've been reflecting on the deep plot lines in the Marvel movies. And then, without even realizing it, I start following right on the butt of the car in front of me. And it makes me wonder, how many times do I buy into the story that the person tailgating me is just being a jerk, they just need to relax, when maybe it's just an honest mistake? But what I see in these times is that depending on the story I believe to be true about that person, the way that I think, the way that I feel, the way that I respond can all be totally different. And so here's a thought that I invite us to reflect on. As we make our way through life, our attitudes have the power to change what happens next, for better or for worse. They can cause us to form poorly informed opinions about others and respond with frustration and anger. Or our attitudes can help us respond to others with peace, with patience and kindness. Chuck Swindell, he finished that thought on attitude we read earlier. He finished it um, by saying this. Attitude will make or break a company a church, a home. And so here's what I mean when I, when I say marvelous attitude. Here's what I mean by having a marvelous attitude. In the same way that the writers of these Marvel movies let a bigger story guide and inform each of their filmmaking decisions, how would each of our attitudes change? If we saw ourselves, if we saw others, if we saw our world, in light of a bigger story, in light of a greater story. In the New Testament of the Bible, uh, in a letter written by a guy named Paul, we find him writing to help his friends shift their attitude by looking at a bigger story. And here's what he wrote. He wrote, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset or attitude as Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So I don't know about you, but when I read those words, it's a mind-blowing concept that God, the creator of all things, the one who holds all the power, the one who doesn't need anything from us, chose to use his power to become a human being and come to us. And not just that, but to become a human being who took on the position of a slave, one whose only job is to serve. And then from this position, he served humanity by allowing himself to be undeservedly executed by people who hated him so that he could die in our place. And as I've thought about that as i've reflected on 
what Jesus went through, I often think, how did he endure through that? How did Jesus go through that? How did, how did Jesus, God in human form, have so much self-discipline to go through so much pain and suffering when he could have said no and used his power at any moment to get himself out of that situation? In another letter in the New Testament, uh, we actually find some insight into Jesus' motivation um, for taking on the cross. And this is what it says. Because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus endured the cross, disregarding its shame. So for Jesus, you know, the attitude that led him to take on the, the position of a slave, you know, to serve us and to persevere through the cross was possible because he was focused on a bigger story. Instead of looking at the cross and seeing it as the end of the story, he was focused on the joy that awaited him on the other side of the pain and the shame of the cross. So check out how another translation um, says this same verse that we just read. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. For Jesus, the cross was just the beginning of a new chapter. A chapter where he would rise again and live in victory over sin and death so that you and I could also share in this victorious life as a part of God's family. And when Jesus went to the cross, he did it with an attitude of love and humility that flowed out of the bigger story he knew he was a part of. And he invites you and me to do the same, to see ourselves, to see others, to see our world in light of a bigger, greater story. But in the midst of our crazy lives, you know, as we're coming out of a hectic Christmas season, you know, with its packed malls, its lengthy travel schedules, people tailgating us all over the place, how can we see ourselves in light of this bigger story as we head into 2020? One thing that I have found extremely helpful is just trying to take time to create space and to find a quiet place to reflect on God's bigger story through prayer. But that can be hard. That can be really hard. You know, I don't know about you, but something that I've experienced is that as important uh, as prayer is to me, I'm also a raging extrovert. So I find it really hard to consistently create that space and that time for prayer. But when I do, I found that God often uses prayer to help me see my place in his bigger story, the bigger story that he is writing. And often when I do, my attitude just is transformed. And when we read about Jesus, and when we see how he was able to hold on to an attitude of love and humility, we see that taking time to create space and find a quiet place to pray and reflect. It was something that he did regularly. And these times of prayer were actually so important to Jesus 
that it was one of the last things he did on the night he was arrested to be crucified. So let me leave you with this thought, you know, or a question to think about as we head into the new year. How would you think and feel differently? You know, how would your attitude be different if you trusted that you were a part of a bigger story that God has dreamed up and is inviting you to be a part of? We don't know what's coming our way this year in 2020. It could be a year of troubles and adversity, or it could be an awesome year, a year maybe where we see miracles, the, the best year of our lives. We just don't know what's coming, and a lot of these circumstances are, are outside of our control. But the thing that we can control is our attitude, so that whatever does come our way, we can respond. We can respond with hope. We can respond with peace. We can respond with strength and love. Not because we're strong enough and we never complain. Not because we're invincible to the pain of life or because we're just really good at avoiding the days that just suck. But because we trust that we are a part of a bigger story with a God who loves us personally and is working all around us, right here, right now, in every moment, to bring beauty from ashes, to bring light to darkness, to raise dead hopes back to life. And as we see ourselves in that story, we have faith that we are moving towards a day where we will be with him, where we will be fully his in his kingdom forever. I'm really glad that you are here with us this morning, um, and I would invite you to pray with me. So God, we just want to thank you so much for your love for us, and we, we want to thank you that you're inviting us to be a part of your story. We thank you that as we reflect on that story, we see that you are a God who didn't leave humanity to just float through this universe without hope. But you actually stepped down onto this earth to be with us and to bring us hope. And so I ask that today, um, that we would open ourselves to learning, to learning more about you, to trusting you more, um, and trusting the story that you are writing and, and consider how we can be a part of it. So it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.